Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about productivity versus creativity, specifically for soloists. Yes, and since we just spent 30 minutes discussing this amongst ourselves, <laughs> let's see where we go. Hopefully there's some show left. So this this is a thing that comes up in different ways on my mailing list in, in Ditcherville where, you know, productivity is good. We want more. I'm for mm -hmm. it, right? But then there's this, there can be kind of... Um, kind of like use it for all the things like do everything as productively or efficiently as possible and and I think especially as soloists specifically as soloists there are things that you probably need to do for an authority-based business to build an authority-based business that require you to be unproductive which is also known as creativity or creative <laughs> or innovation those sorts of things that our friend Blair Enns would argue, cannot be done. You can't be creative in a, an efficient or productive manner. And uh, I, I tend to agree with that. Well, it's like being delightfully unproductive. It's kind of how I think <laughs> about it. Yeah, it's like where... So I, I think a lot of creativity, we could probably... God, we could probably go down a rabbit hole just defining the term. But so if, if I got more specific, if I'm thinking of new ways to, let's just say run Ditcherville, like some, some new service I could add to like, you know, serve people better, keep, get people more engaged, more connected, decrease churn while I'm at it, you know, because sit around and think about it, you know, and it, what does that look like? It looks like me walking the dogs. It looks like me washing the dishes. It probably looks like me taking a shower. There's, it, it's not. That sounds productive actually, <laughs> <laughs> but not for your personal life anyway. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Right. But it doesn't look like there's no, no stopwatch. Yeah. Well, I think the, the problem, and we were talking about this before, is that in my mind, I hear productivity and a, a, a part of my brain shuts off. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's what I had to worry about when I was billing by the hour in a big yep. consulting firm. And I was being measured by what I did that day. I didn't have enough billable hours or did I sell enough? And my brain just goes there. And it's, I like the yin and yang of being productive, which is how can I um, be effective in the least amount of time possible versus creative because the those of us who get to live this life, we are thinking and writing and probably speaking. So we're doing some combination of those things. So to be able to think and write in this quiet space where I don't care how much time I'm spending on it, I don't care if it takes me an hour to write this one paragraph so that I really explain something that somebody is struggling with. I mean, that's that's the yin and yang of it for me. I want both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it's, it can be hard to, if you're in, let's say this happens a lot with people when they kind of first, when I first encounter them, we sort of cross paths where they're, like you said, they're billing by the hour and they're slammed with client work most of the time. Mm -hmm. A lot of people all the time. They, they just, they might have some bad clients that, are probably not even that profitable, but they keep them around because what am I going to do if I'm not working, right? So they're trying to be right. productive, productive, productive. Everything's always client work. And, and when I say, when I say, oh, you should be spending probably 10 or 20 hours a week on 
other things like non-client work, <laughs> working on the business it's like their head explodes exactly and, and folks who you know i've worked with folks who really decreased the number of hours they had to work and they had free time and they they're at like loose ends or like uh you know like they're tapping their hands on the table like i, I don't know what to do i don't i feel like i'm i feel like i'm losing money i feel like i'm lazy I, all of these like mm-hmm. you know and i'm like well you could spend that time and this is what i say to people is like well like how do you what, what's a question the question is usually with usually comes up when i'm talking about getting paid 100 percent up front for project work and 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 not tying final payment to sign off and then a, a common reaction is well how do you know when you're done and i'm like mm-hmm. well it's like a lake freezing you don't know when you're done but eventually you know it's safe to walk on so with a software project and they're like and so they kind of peter out and it's fine you know and mm-hmm. and i could get into specifics about how you help it peter out more quickly but but the the question that immediately comes up is like well how do you schedule projects back to back if if you're not sure when they're done or like and i'm like why are you scheduling projects back to back at all especially you know, again for soloists especially can't have that free space in between because that's not productive i'm not making money yep. right yeah, yeah there's this bad dog feeling like um i'm letting things go right instead of being busy all the time and yeah. it's really bad it's really a tough habit to break or call it a mindset to break if you've been on the clock for years and and it always felt probably subconsciously now it, like every line of code you write every six minutes that goes by you're like oh that was 10 bucks 10 bucks 10 bucks the meter's just dinging every six minutes and and when you get off of that and you give somebody a price and then you're done whether it's with the what you're going to do with this particular sprint or the project you know you you launch the project and and then after that things are going to tail off pretty quickly maybe there's some support a couple of things that got missed or didn't get tested or whatever but there's like a scramble right after launch and then it tails off really quickly because people just don't they're not they, they don't feel like calling their software developer and hanging out on the phone to talk about like this report and that report or whatever and the idea of like what do i do now it's like now is a great time to work on the business <laughs> and what does that look like it looks like uh, exploring other possibilities you know you could just get some input either through books or coaching or communities and think like oh what could i what could i do next to make things better for the kind of people i want to help and maybe there's a new way to package your expertise maybe you've got a new revolution that or mission that you're like oh you know it would be really interesting to or, or some new topic to explore and create the sort of like you know to continue to build up the authority business because that that's what we're talking about if you're not doing yeah taking the time to just I don't want to say zone out. I mean, it can be kind of directed, you know, like I really want to think about how I'm going to like last year, I spent a ton of time thinking about how I was going to set up workshops so that they would be valuable and also easy for me to execute. You know, a lot of time, a lot of experimentation. Ask me how many hours. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Better if you don't count them. (laughs) I I literally don't know. Like I couldn't even guess 10 or 100. It's somewhere in there. But it was fun. I was in the zone. I wasn't even thinking about time. I love that stuff. Well, there's also this transition, I think, that happens. Like, you know, you first do your business. And let's take the, the software developer example because, you know, you work on these big, you know, long projects. And you just get used to, I don't want to say like being an employee, but you have these assignments 
that are similar to that. And maybe you're you're also running around with your hair on fire. And maybe you're the kind of person that likes that, that feels really good. And then in the in the Peter off stage, which by the way, when I did MA work, I hated the Peter down stage. Like I just <laughs> hated it. That was so freaking boring. And I didn't want to do any of the stuff. I wanted to do the next big project. So yeah. so you you may have this sort of mindset about you need to always be busy. And sometimes that just has to be broken. I mean, mm-hmm. I you know, we were talking before the show, I've not had a problem with that for a long time and then all of a sudden <laughs> I my schedule just started getting busier and busier because I was doing in addition to my day job this, um I was also president of our HOA in a time of lots of angst, let's put it that way. (laughs) And, you know, I have a property business where I'm selling a property and there's a lot to that. And they all came together at the same time. And so now I'm out of all that, everything, I'm out of the, the, the office of the HOA, I'm out of all of that. And I had these, it's been what, a week, 10 days now? It took me a few days to get used to having my life back. And I did feel guilty for a little bit like, oh, mm-hmm. I have all this time. I should be productive on something. I should be doing something with this. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. <laughs> I read a book. I Then I read another book. And I went to lunch with some friends. And I had a long phone conversation with somebody else. And so it's you just have to find a way to shift back and forth between those times where you're really busy and it's relatively quiet. Yeah, and I love that you brought up the word guilt. You, you, I think need to recognize, or it's helpful certainly to recognize that 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 it's not really downtime. It, from the outside, it looks like downtime, or maybe it is downtime. But I, I think there's a there's a thing that I do that looks like I'm doing nothing from the outside. And if you just recognize that that's part of the process, like without that, you're not yeah. going to innovate. You're not going to. You're just going to rest on your laurel laurels and just keep which I've done. I've done that at certain stages of my storied career. Uh, and, it, you know, big mistake. <laughs> so it's, it, you have to do it. I don't know how you could not do it. I, I feel it would be, it would feel very risky to me if someone was like, uh, they just had, one, you know, they just maybe wrote a book and then just, it just didn't grow. It feels like not growing. It's kind of like a version of sleep, like from a biological system, like you need to do it and even and just be cool with the fact that it's that's part of the job, right? It's enforce it. I mean, it's a part of the reason why I I went back to getting an office, even though I have like right now I'm at the house and I still do a bunch of stuff from the house. But in order to kind of get into the zone with kids around and dogs around and, and landscapers and all of this stuff, I go to the office to just like let my mind wander in a business context is kind of it's kind of what it feels like oh come on you're sitting there smoking cigars with your feet up on your desk right (laughs) (laughs) i don't mind a cigar now and then but But you know what you know what there's there's a good point in that though there's there's this um there's the ritual there can be a ritual aspect of this and different people have different rituals and that you know the ritual could be um, like when you you've mentioned before that you listen to podcasts when you wash wash dishes or you shut them off so you can think. Right. Um, you know, here uh, a ritual sometimes is to just go to the pool when there's nobody there 
and just soak in the water, close my eyes and just mm-hmm. think. And yeah, so there, I think there can be a ritual aspect of that if it helps you to get comfortable with the not being crazy busy. And, you know, and then there's the flip side, right, is that there probably will be times when you are crazy busy and you need to be able to go with that versus being overly quiet and still. But there's a um, David C. Baker's newest book. He talks somewhere in the in the early chapters. He talks about how lucky we are to have businesses and lives like this. And I just couldn't agree more because we get to, we get to do work with clients that we love, right? Who are ideal clients. We love helping them. We have this revolution we want to achieve and we're doing it with our expertise. We're not lifting 50 pound bales of hay, <laughs> right? We are doing this with our expertise, with our minds. We're exploring, we're listening to people, we're talking, we're generating ideas and we're making money, sometimes a lot of money doing this. So this is, you know, this is a pretty ideal way of life for the right kind of person. And the the price that comes with that is managing that difference between productivity and creativity. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you, what are some rituals that you do or have done besides the pool, which does sound nice, <laughs> <laughs> um, that you find yourself, like how conscious are you about trying to get into that zone or or it doesn't have to be you like it could be student stories or whatever yeah I can think about that there for me I'm I like I do like to schedule things Mm -hmm. because I feel like it makes me more likely to be either productive or creative or both um productively creative um so (laughs) you know like a ritual is I write my weekly article the same way, in the same time, in the same place, you know, and I know when I open that computer, I am so ready. By the time I open it and I'm ready to start, I, I'm ready to go. Like I typically already have the idea because I've been thinking about it. So that ritual is that time, that place, opening the thing and, and doing that. Um, the The other rituals are very much just like life rituals, like when I walk the dog, and there's certain things I don't think about anything else, but just the rhythm of the day. And I get these amazing ideas. Same thing with the shower. Same thing with um, the gym. What's interesting with the gym, though, I never get those ideas when I'm doing cardio. <laughs> never. I only get them when I'm doing weights. And I think it's because I'm like, oh, this is so hard. <laughs> and then I'll just look out like there's a great mountain view out the window of, of my gym. And I'll just look out and I've had several ideas and I can still remember exactly where I was, what I was looking at when I had those ideas. But it's that finding, putting myself in those spots mm-hmm. really, really works for me and and outside there's something about being outside and i've you know i've said at the gym you know and at home but there's just something about feeling the earth underneath your feet and seeing the sun or the rain and feeling you know nature going on around you is just amazing interesting yeah i think that's pretty common um for me it's like walking but not not i can't think when I'm walking the dogs because they're too much of a handful and you have two yeah yeah and uh and one of them thinks he's a little tough guy so he's gonna bark <laughs> at everything that moves um good boy so that, Reggie yeah so I, they're about to make an appearance I think but uh anyway 
Um, so for me, it's definitely walking, but alone. Reading, if I, if the book is, you, it's always a nonfiction book that gives me business ideas. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be a business book, but it's always nonfiction. And it's wild. Like some books I just can't, I usually listen to them these days, but not always. But usually I listen to them. And when it's a really, I can tell like, oh, this is, I don't think it's me. I think it's the book where I'm just stopping it every two minutes and making a note, making a note, making a note. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's cool, right? And uh, so reading is a big one. Walking is a big one. Doing the dishes is a big one. I usually, the doing the dishes thing, though, it doesn't take that long. So usually the kind of kind of creative act I'm doing in that 10, 20 minutes is usually thinking of like today's email or the Sunday comic. It's not... Mm. I'm not adding some new thing to my product ladder or something like that. I'm not right. nothing like that. Uh, those are that's more like I need like an hour or two to really get into that place. Mm-hmm. And when you get in there, it's just like I'll I'll have like especially if I'm in the office, which is another another spot because it's so quiet and it's really dark too. It's like my crypt. <laughs> oh, and, that's interesting. So you yeah. like the the dark helps you. Yeah, and in fact, when I used to do a lot of songwriting, I would almost always do it while I was walking at night, like like late. You are such a vampire. Super oh, I duper. Like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm a super yeah. night owl. Um, what's the other thing? It's the, I have a couple of uh, friends who are just optimistic's not the right word, but um, definitely abundance mindset, but in very optimistic and like always up for. A brainstorming session they're almost like the kind of people who would be awesome improv partners where it's like yes mm-hmm. and yeah and <laughs> and there's a there's two in particular that i can think of where every time or three okay so so where every time after we talk i'm just exploding with ideas you know mm-hmm. and <laughs> often i'll be like the next day, I'll be like, "That's not a great idea." I was really excited about that, and it was it was an exciting conversation and brainstorming session. But I'm like, it's either unimplementable or it's it's the the target market is just me, <laughs> target market of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so it's not always that it produces great ideas. It's kind of like it's kind of like unproductive in that way. So, or even like if I'm in the zone in the office in the d- dim light, where. I come up with five pages of notes and then I look at it later and I'm just not energized by it. It's like, seemed uh-huh. like a good idea in the moment, but I'm not energized by all of the things on there, but I'm like, Oh man, that's that, that one thing that still seems like a good idea or that's something to explore. But, uh, it's a pretty scattershot in a, all of these contexts. It's a pretty scattershot inefficient process. That's mostly by myself, but sometimes with a partner and I'm allowing my brain to wander in an area so i'm not just randomly daydreaming mm-hmm. i'm just wandering around in an area of whatever it is that i'm interested in solving or creating or you know i've got some idea and i'm just gonna like chew on it for two hours yeah it's like i think that it, it, well this reminds me of something that i see often um it's it's like 
naming a product or naming a company. So like you first start in consulting and you're like, okay, I've got this great name. I'm going to call myself, you know, Renaissance Consultants or <laughs> Cambridge Consulting. Like I get this all the time. I'm like, no. Okay. What you have to do is, you know, you have to think about what it is you want to do. You know, you walk them through like the what, and then the how makes them crazy because the how there just isn't an answer that you just reach out and pluck out of the air in, in five minutes. Mm-hmm. You want to think about these things that you want to create and let it roll around in your head and not, you know, give them instructions on, you know, opening a Word document and writing down everything that they, they've, um, they've thought about and coming back to it over and over and over again. And people resist it like I can't even tell you because <laughs> that's, there's so much discomfort in sitting in the not knowing and it's not like you have to just sit there and think of stuff and and sit there for five days, you know, all by yourself. No, you just keep adding to it. Think about it for five minutes here. Think about it for a half an hour there. Same concept, right? Mm-hmm. Is we just have to get comfortable that that time is not going to be productive. Sometimes when it is, it's, you know, the heavens open and, oh, you know, all this wonderful stuff happens. But usually that's because you've been thinking about it and soaking on it maybe in the back of your brain for hours, days, weeks, months, sometimes years. And yeah. that's the that's the sort of the gift or the freedom that we have to give ourselves is that we can sit and work on something that's important to our business that doesn't come right away. You have mm. to let it sit and marinate for a while. Yeah. I see a similar thing when when I'm working with someone who is thinking about doing a thing you know, maybe it's something like starting a podcast or a mailing list or writing a book or even a lead magnet or designing a productized service. It's some non-trivial, you know, it's going to take some of that, some of that brain dumping, coming back with fresh eyes, editing, testing. And it's pretty common for someone to say, you know, I'll sort of lay that out and be like, okay, it's going to be, you know, for it to be effective, you're going to want to do a bunch of things and, it's going to take maybe 20 hours, maybe 200 hours, to, you know, what, whatever it's going to take. Um, and they're like, well, is it going to work? I don't want to spend all that time if it's not <laughs> going to work. And right. It's like, mm-hmm. well, it might not work in the sense that that it will reach the exact, you know, that your podcast will have 2000 downloads an episode tomorrow might not or or ever maybe maybe no one cares but creating it and putting it out there publishing it or whatever you know launching it is the thing that will is something is an educational process an inefficient educational process that you can't skip really sometimes you get lucky and hit a home run but but you generally can't skip it it's like your ideas however you're formatting them need to interact with like the audience needs to interact with them. They need to be put out in the world. And it's this sort of spiraling into the bullseye process that's that people where people don't like the spiral. They want a straight line to the bullseye. And in with many, many things, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because a lot of times people are willing to do the work, like in that example, I'm going to build a course, but they haven't done the front end work of Oh, does anybody want this? <laughs> and what do they want it to look like? Like, should it be like something that's done by themselves? Should it have a cohort? Should it be done in a week, a month, yeah. a day? 
And so, yeah, you go to the other end and then you're like, oh, nobody wants this particular (laughs) thing. Oh, so yeah. So there's that, there's both sides of that. I mean, some of us will run and I've done this run headlong into being highly productive on something Mm -hmm. without doing the front end work. So there's that, you know, there's that balance. It really is a yin and yang when we think Mm -hmm. about, you know, productivity versus creativity. We need both. Yeah. So would you categorize things like, um, I guess it doesn't matter what the category is, but but something like a listening tour, any of that market researchy type of stuff. To me, that feels like for from a business standpoint, where ultimately, you know, we're, we're talking about like there's no way around it. Like you need to make money and you want the things that you create to be effective for the buyer so that they're glad they spent money with you and perhaps would come back mm-hmm. for more or send other people your way. So you want it to be, you want it to be a win-win, right? You want it to deliver a lot of value to the buyer. So it feels like something like a listening tour or um, answer bombing or a sales safari, like hanging around in a watering hole, like Amy Hoy says that to me, I would, I would classify that as creative even though you're not creating anything it's like the very front end of the process of like how am i going to create value for these people well first i'm going to talk to them and find out what's going on in their minds and it's not i mean you know yes you can use calendly and you can keep to a schedule and the phone calls and stuff but it's not really efficient it's kind of messy well think think of it as a spectrum that's how I think of it, you know, and if, if we say, you know, productivity, productivity is on one side and creativity is on the other, this one is, you know, somewhere in between them. And it's, I would say it's, you know, to the, if, if creativity is on the right, it's to the right of center, what you just described, the listening tour in that process, mm-hmm. because you have to have an open, well, I shouldn't say you have to, it helps to have an open mind so that you're really listening to what they're saying versus what you want them to say. <laughs> so I think I, that's why I push it over a little bit more to the creativity side than right. the productivity side. But yeah. 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 There's a lot of unknown, right? You don't know what they're going to say. That's why you're talking. Yeah. About well, that's what's funny. Or you think you do. I know when I did my first one, I, I was pretty sure I knew what they were going to say. In my head, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to say this. They didn't say that. They said some completely different stuff that blew my mind. Thank God I kept my mouth shut and just let them talk. Uh I think it was before before we hit record, we were talking about the difference between exploration and expedition. Yes, yes. And, And that feels like you could overlay it pretty cleanly on the same productivity, creativity spectrum where an expedition would be productive because you know where you're going and you want to get there the best way possible for your situation versus exploratory, which is, I feel is on the creative end where you're, you're, you've got an idea and you're going out and talking to a bunch of people to validate it, for example, or you could be brainstorming it with a mentor or you could just, you know, (laughs) be in the windowless office. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that, 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 I, there's something there. It's something. It's very similar. It's like you're in exploration mode where you're trying to find out what you and other people might like. You're imagining, or for various ways, yeah. you're testing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then once you know, then put on your productivity hat and bang it out at a high level of quality as quickly as you can. You lead the expedition, and I think that's 
also part of the challenge because a lot of us got where we were because we are leading expeditions with our clients, right? We're saying, I know where we're going. I'm going to get you there. And you do all the things that you do. You get the client there. That's the huge outcome. Um, And it's wonderful. But the flip side is exploring is a way to find something new. The, the leading the expedition, you're probably not going to be going down the side streets or what do you call a side street on a mountain, right? You're probably not going to be going there if you don't already know what it is because you have all these people behind you whose safety you're responsible for. So right. it's that it's, it's when we lead expeditions for work, like for our business, then it, I think it's a little bit harder to then shut that off and go explore, but they feed each other so well. That's why I like to think of it as a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I, I, that shift from having all the answers to putting yourself in a definitely don't have any of the answers mode. I'll, I'll bet you that's behind a lot of uh, reluctance to work on the business, those types of things, mm-hmm. where it's like, a great example would be, you know, let's say I'm working with a software developer, very, very engineering mindset. They're used to having all the answers. They go into the meeting, ah, oh, how should we architect this solution? You know, non-technical buyer and uh, the developer's like, oh, we're going to do all, you know, they sell this AWS and you're going to do this and sprinkle some AI on it and it'll be fine. It'll be done. In this, <laughs> you know, they know everything. They've got all the answers. So switching into a mode where it's just like where they don't is probably is definitely super uncomfortable. It's like, I'd rather I'd rather go back to my comfort zone where I am an expert. So like, for example, um, I'm talking to someone like this, I'm like, all right, let's, uh, you know, you're not getting enough leads, you told me you're not getting enough leads. And when you do get one, there's a lot of downward pressure on your price, because they, they see you as interchangeable with another software developer or many other software developers, and you seem kind of like a commodity. So let's work on your positioning. It's just like, you know it's just like i don't want to do that like just give me the answer and i'm like there is no just give me the answer at best we can work together to come up with a hypothesis but then you have to validate it you have to prove or disprove whether you know whether it's a the candidate say positioning statement or tagline or podcast or opt-in page or lead magnet you still need like i can say like this looks this is in the shape of something that someone might care about it's clear like the value proposition is clear. I don't know if anyone cares though. So mm-hmm. you still have to do that kind of experimentation. And it's a, it's a really interesting point. Like someone who's used to having all the answers in their client work, maybe doesn't feel so good uh, not having all the answers. Simple as that. It's like, yeah. I like having all the answers. Well, it can be frustrating. I mean, I've had clients where... Um, you know, they are so amazing at what they do. Like they're literally at the top of their field and they get so frustrated when clients don't buy them. They're <laughs> like, don't they get this? Don't they understand this? Why didn't they buy this from me like right now? And it's that frustration and kind of to your point, well, let's find out. Let's uh-huh. do some research. Let's ask some questions. Why didn't they buy? Or other times it's just that, you know, it was just not a good personality fit. You know, and you can find that out usually with just a tiny bit of digging. But yeah, it's that frustration because when you're competent and you are revered for your competence, which let's face it, we're, we're attracting experts here, right? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to let that go and be in learning mode or mm. just receptive mode. You know, you're receiving rather than pushing it out. Right. Yeah. Huh. 
I like I, I like this angle. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I think that's why we had to talk about it for 30 minutes because it's there. I just always have this visceral reaction. Like when somebody says, I'm a productivity expert. In my head, I hear 20 hacks to, you know, <laughs> get back an hour of your time a day or something like that. It turns me off. It, like it really does. And I was trying to figure out like, why is that? And for me, it's because I want the humanity part of productivity. I don't want to just work, you know, every second of every day on a rigid schedule to produce something. That's not why I started my business. It's not why I do what I do. I don't enjoy that. But I do want to be productive at the things I absolutely must do so that I can have time to do the other stuff, to be creating and uh, yeah, just creating, not and creating, because that's writing, thinking, speaking. Right. Yeah. I mean, believe me, I'm like all for productivity when you've got, say, a software project or something you fixed priced and there's a clear objective and it's like, yeah, all hands on deck. Let's get this thing done yesterday. Right. You know, work, work really smart, probably hard also, <laughs> but just get it done as quickly as possible. But it, it be, it's because you're on an expedition, you're in execution mode. You're like, we know what we want. We have the, this desired outcome is clear. Everyone's aligned on it. And the financial incentives are all aligned to get it done as quickly as possible without cutting corners. So yeah, boom, bang it out. Use whatever you need to do, tools, use all the leverage you've got to get that done. When that's over, at some point, you're gonna wanna, sh you're gonna regret if you don't, at some point, shift into creative mode, like exploration mode. Like, what do I wanna do next? It could just, it could be, a, I mean, if you want to talk big picture, it could be like, I don't even like this job anymore. You know, I feel like it's a job like, you know, step way back, which we kind of do on an annual basis, step way back and be like, do I need to make a big change here? Am I still energized by this? Uh, could be product service or it could be the overall business. Maybe you want to start something new, you know, but that that's really big picture. But I think it's this, it's kind of fractal. It, it's the same all the way down the food chain. I think for authorities and soloists especially, you should probably be thinking about, you got, I mean, hours a week of time where you can develop new thought leadership and intellectual property and uh, these things that may or may not pay off. But if you don't do them, it's kind of like the R&D equivalent. So like Samsung or Apple or someone doing R&D, that's the equivalent thing. And maybe it's a little bit difficult when you don't have employees, you can outsource you know, the execution to or the oh, exploration no, to. no, 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 no. I, listen, it is so much easier without employees because yeah. you don't have to manage stuff that's coming back to you or them. No, <laughs> do not get employees because you think you can outsource creativity to them. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do <laughs> Just that the thought of it, it gives me, gives me not, not a good feeling. Right. So it, it feels required to me. I, I have let it slide. Uh, my own, you know, like in the past, I've let it slide and be like, huh, I haven't got any leads in a while. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And just, and just to be okay with what looks perhaps to an outside observer, like you're just sitting there, right? Right. That's, it's, in, it's important air quotes work. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Like somebody else is looking at you going, why are you staring off into space like that? Why like, aren't your fingers moving on the keyboard? Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking big thoughts. <laughs> but, that's, but that's what we do. I mean, I don't want to make fun of it. It's really important. And we get to do this. 
It's right. like, this is the most amazing work that, that we can do and be paid for. I mean, it's really amazing when you think about it, that we get mm. to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to keep doing it, <laughs> spend yeah. some time thinking. Yeah. Big yeah. thoughts don't come on a schedule. Yeah. It's like an investment, you know, it's like you, you can, you know, let it go, but you pay attention. You look at what's happening around you. You look at the marketplace and say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to put some more money on this one, or I'm going to sell some of this, or I'm going to try something completely new. Nice. Well, yeah. have we left any stone unturned? I can't think of any at the moment. Cool. Can you? No, shut this off and go <laughs> sit in a closet. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> cool. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.